Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, the Mitch Rap Podcast. How you doing this week, Mike? Dude, it's the Code Red Podcast. This has been a long time coming since we got the title reveal, since we got the news of Kyle writing his last book in the series. We've got the Steven Weber announcement. He'll be the narrator and the audiobook reader for this. Dude, we've been hyping and pumping this up for so long, and it's finally here. I am so excited. It's kind of like bittersweet. I almost, everyone, you know, we have like this group chat with our patrons, and everyone's like, oh, I just finished it. I'm like halfway through. And I know some people were saying they were savoring it. You know, even though I've had this book for a while now, I haven't wanted to pick it up. Not not, not because I, I'm worried about it, but just, I just didn't want it to come you know if that yeah. makes sense yeah same here whereas like when we got deadfall yeah i just i i immediately dig into it like Ripped even if i only it. got like a, even if, even if i only got into a couple chapters i just wanted to rip into it but this one i just i left there and i brought it on my trip obviously and we said we were going to record part one today and so I, I i sat down yesterday started reading it and i just was savoring it i sat outside of my hotel with a beer i'm drinking some True Milwaukee brews, Schlitz. I don't know if anyone on the podcast knows what this beer is, but it's a it's a old Milwaukee old school Milwaukee beverage. Watching a Brewers game, <laughs> I was just savoring my last Kyle Mills Mitch Rapp book, kind of like Mitch Rapp was savoring, you know, his time in Paris with Claudia. It, <laughs> you know, and I I, I definitely want to dig into the first half of this book, and I want to dig into like the bigger picture of Kyle, what this means where you think like, you know, what you're thinking. But, you know, my first gut reaction, my first gut thing is like, I have very mixed feelings. I like, I like it, but I don't like, but I'm not like loving it, but I love it, but I don't like it. You know, it's, it's, it's very weird. I don't know how to describe it. I don't know. What if you feel the same way, Mike? First off, I'm having so many similar, similar emotions the the roller coaster of emotions this book stared me down for a few weeks like we got it quite a while back we got and it almost, a while ago we did and almost every time i see the ambassadors posting i want to be in with the crowd right i i want to be right there talking about it usually i get a little side chat or side dms going with people who finished it you know within a night or two i don't know why this one it just stared at me. It it was like giving me that challenge of like, you you got to do it, Mike. You, you like Kyle's time is coming to a close. Like we have to say goodbye. We have to put a, put the stamp on it. And it was hard to come around and 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 get there. And and when I finally yeah. picked it up, the story really did get me. But I am with you. I am not making any final conclusions or judgments until we cover part two. I'm really glad we'll be interviewing Kyle in between our part one and part yeah. two. Now, some might say that will color our final judgment, <laughs> for but sure. I actually want I want that in this case. I, I want a chance for him to tell us where he was at, where the characters were at, in his opinion. And and I do want to hear a little backstory on where this book came from and how it got to where it is. That being said, I'm not offering a final judgment. I've seen a lot of people posting, you know, middle of the pack, one of Kyle's better books, not his best. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna wade into that water yet. But I will say this: this book is packed with some absolute gems, 
some pure Kyleisms that are top notch, some one liners, absolute zingers. And I even found some very, very uh, warming callbacks to Vince Flynn. And I think this book is very subtle. I'm not going to say where I am on the overall plot or anything yet. That that scorecard will come, folks. But right now on this pod, I'm going to say in the first half of this book are some absolute genius subtleties. And I want to get into those with you, Chris. And, and here's one example of this. I was hesitant to pick up the book, and I told myself, I'm not taking any notes. I'm reading this as a pure fan through and through. Not a critic, not a podcaster, not an evaluator. Right. However, that was that was only my approach, my mindset. I I immediately wanted to start taking notes because of how good some of the writing was. No, I I totally agree. And I, I, I actually quotes. I found myself started I, I even highlighted some quotes. Yes. And that, that's not me. You know no. that's not me. And I didn't want I, I to do that. I don't know if you got the sense, but there was some true and even though this book yet hasn't like really gotten into it's not like super huge geopolitical like Dalton Rhodes initiative, but it, it has like this backdrop of this geopolitical thing with with you know the whole Syrian mess. And I feel like Kyle is, you know, diving into his inner I mean, not to say like, but you know, like it's very reminiscent of what like Brad Thor does, you know? I, I liked it. I don't know. Did you yeah. did you not? I, I, I'm not sure if I do yet, but I'll be honest with you, I actually don't care. Like mm. we had Brad Thor do it expertly uh, you couldn't do it better in his last two books in oh, deadfall yeah, rising sure. tiger for sure you know the whole geopolitical stuff you've got you've got jack carr doing the the dark side of man you've got him doing the warrior the weapons thing you know and kyle was never super attuned to the weapons you know he had rod who he had on the pod and other people advised him on this and the thing is i don't need that in a mitrap book right now i need the things we got the small moments with Mitch and Claudia reflecting on their future. Mitch in Afghanistan, but thinking about what home is to him. There's a really great couple of opening paragraphs about where is home to Mitch Rapp. And it's actually sure. the wood burning, food burning on a, on, a, on a fire in the middle of the desert. And it's the smells and the, the dust and the stone of Afghanistan. And he's like, although that's my natural home, it's not my home anymore. My home now should be South Africa. It should be Virginia. And so that's the kind of stuff I need in a Kyle Mills, Mitch Rapp novel at this point in the series. So the fact that I maybe I'm not sure if I'm jiving with the geopolitical stuff, I don't care. I, I really don't. And maybe the weapons, right? You can get some, some car heads who are like, well, give me descriptions of all the weapons and the different things and the tactical stuff. And, and there's some of that, right? Especially... This final scene we're getting to today in chapter 17, this op in Syria, there's some of it. But I'm so glad to see Kyle, I think, leaning into his strength. I would say leaning into the strengths of this series and where this series is at right now. And, and I want to get into it and talk about some of the specifics that Kyle is absolutely knocking out of the park in this one. Yeah, and I feel like he went back to, you know, what what makes Mitch Rapp Mitch Rapp? Yes. Like his athleticism. You know, even though he's he's old, he's aging, but his he's still he's still super athletic. His sacrifices. He's a man of his word. Yes, yes. And you know, kind of like you said, you could tell. And I don't know if this is like a subtle thing or or you know an over overly overt thing in terms of pulling upon 
hints of all of Mitrap's past, yes. like, you know, talking about like Stan Hurley and, you know, bringing up Maggie Nash and Mike Nash and obviously, you know, his whole relationship with Irene, you know, obviously you have to do some of that stuff with to set up the story relative to the last book, but some of it just felt like it was a little bit extra in the sense that this is, this is going to be Kyle's last time telling that, you know, to yeah. us. So, yeah. you know what I mean? I don't know. And it's just, maybe just because I am fully invested in the story. I know it from start to finish. So I'm, I'm picking up on those cues a little bit more. Yeah. Bringing up Louis Gould, like even not saying him by name, but just, you know, talking about him, talking about his, the fact that Anna has like a little bit of her father in her, you know? Yeah. You know, going back to Paris, this is, this is a very, you know, Mitch has spent a lot of time there. It's a city that we love and we've, we've gotten a couple books set in Paris. Like it's, you know, I felt like that was a little bit of tap into the, into the nostalgia of things. We, we, we mentioned in the last book that he was tapping that nostalgia beat too. And I, I, you could, if we didn't know it from the last book, we definitely know it now that he was yep. obviously going down this path and we could, you know, we, we could see where, where it's going. It's, it's almost crescendoing here. And it it almost it just seems like a swan song the way it's being done, and, and for that reason, so far any quibbles I've had with different parts of the book and the story, I'm putting aside because I'm so captivated by by those nods. You mentioned Hurley, right? We get this line: while Hurley had been wrong about a lot in life, his advice on the subject of killing was impeccable. <laughs> I, I underline that one for you, Mike. For Dude, you. Uh, why, thank you, Chris. Why, thank you. Well, let's underline it both for Kyle. Let's get highlighters, yeah. underlining, Sharpie, asterisk in the margin. All that for Kyle. because that, That's epic. And then, dude, all these callbacks. Listen to this one. How Flinian is this? It's such a tribute to Vince to write this line. Quote, none of them were the enemy. And he's talking about the guys around the campfire in Afghanistan, right. the Taliban. Right. He says, none of them were the enemy. Not anymore. The enemy now was the people in Washington and Langley who had set this up. The betrayal wasn't here. It was back home. Like, bro, that's so early Vince. It's a nod to every one of his themes having the villains as the real, excuse me, the, the politicians as the real enemy. The ones who were jeopardizing what Rap and Irene and all, all the crew wanted to do. And for Kyle to to slip that in, I, I just think a little thing like that would make Vince so proud. And then two lines later, the Taliban guys call him the angel of death. Right. Like that was Rap's nickname through all of the Vince books, like consent to kill. He was the angel of death. He's coming. And we get a nod to that. It's just it's really, really smart. It's 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 like this metacognitive thing Kyle's doing. I, I can't wait to ask him if he was aware of this or he's just become so comfortable with the series that all these nods to Vince and earlier books are just natural. Mm, mm, yeah. Um, I think it's definitely a little bit of both for sure. If I had to guess, you know, he just, he is so in tune with the series. You know, I would say it's, it's his now, like, you know, and it's his to pass on. He's fully embraced it. And you gotta, you gotta admit, like, all right, this is gonna be my last time to write any of this stuff. I need to figure out what I want to say. Be true to the story. Highlight Vince in in, in the best way possible. But the the one thing I want to ask you though, and it, it's gonna be, it's a tough question, right? So following up the last two books, 
our saga with the cooks. How do you feel about this hard turn to essentially send Mitch on like a long side quest? How do you feel about that being his final, like Kyle's final installment to have Mitch, you know, we're chapter 17 is roughly halfway through the book. You know, we're like 140 ish pages in hundred. Like, we didn't even mention that yet. Yeah. Just for the people we are, we're only going up through chapter 17 right. to the end of 17 on this pod. We've gotten maybe three pages of Irene Kennedy. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's very Mitch heavy. Uh, you know, I guess secondary character would be Claudia. And then we've gotten a lot of Damien Losa like this. It's this character that Kyle, you can tell loves that he created and wanted to explore this. And I guess, you know, obviously seeing that this is his last time to explore it, he wanted to to go down that route, but like, I don't know. I just want to get your thoughts on like, not, not, I'm not trying to diminish it and saying that it is a side quest, but it's like a side quest that 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 now you know once you involve all the Russians, it's no it's no longer a side quest. It becomes like a, the what's going to be Mitch's primary quest. Right. You know this. All right, it's essentially, you know, I guess just to spoil everything, like the Russians are trying to infiltrate this drug cartel by putting in this super drug that six months later, people are going to be like freaking zombies, right? You know, like you know, in, in psych psychotics. So it's. It's the same thing as if we have Memorial Day with a bomb. You know, it's it's killing mass amounts of people, right? It's some crazy terrorist thing. But the whole setup to it is not that at all. Okay. Um, I see where you're coming from with that question. And this idea of a side quest, I, I, I don't know if I want to accept the premise of the question. Although I guess I have to because leaving Claudia to go on this mission Kind of makes it a side quest. Not having Irene as backup, it's very clearly stated. You won't have our resources right. doing this. I guess in those in that sense, it does make it into a bit of a side quest. But like you said, one, it's building to something that will involve the Russians. And I think it's deeper than that because this Semenov character, who who is the Russian mastermind in Syria, you could say appointed to Syria, but really, you know, kicked out into the backwater of Syria, his his triumphant plans to return home and crown himself, essentially take over from Utkin and navigate the the waters of uh, politics in Russia to, to take the throne, if you will. I, I find that very compelling. Mm. And that is building. And it's been teased in the early chapters with this very, very compelling character to me, Semenov. So it's one thing that I think it is building towards something more than a side quest. Two, I think we have to kind of leave things be. I thought it very interesting that early in the book, Kyle wrote, there's a new administration. Terrence Adams, the vice president for Cook, is now in charge and doesn't want to run again. We've got Irene reinstalled as the director right. again. Right. So I'm, I'm almost okay if this is a side quest in the sense of you just painted very broad brushstrokes. And now Don Bentley can pick up, you know, the finer brush and really start coloring, you know, in between the lines. So if it's not a side quest and building something to as revolutionary as upsetting the Utkin, you know, administration in Russia, that's huge because that takes us back to, you know, Red War, really. That's the culmination of a big Mitch Rapp universe plot. But if we either don't get there or if we don't go back to 
Irene and Claudia on the comms and doing the logistics and Scott and his organization because he even writes he's off taking a contract in Lithuania or Estonia or something. I'm okay with it kind of being this isolated story to turn things over to Don. I just don't know. I, I like I can't answer the question because the second half of the book, I think there's there's a lot of story to be told, and so I don't yeah. know if you're quite. Did you tee up you know a, a red herring for me there? I don't know. You know, am I? I, I don't know either. Door? I don't know. This is a trap I door. Either. I don't know, and that that's interesting to me. Right? It, it could be. It could fall flat. It could be amazing. So that's a tricky one, man. That's a tricky one. My guess is that it it makes the most sense to do this. You know, if if you going into it knowing that this is going to be your last installment, uh, your last touch point of the series, you know, you're not going to want to make ruffle too many feathers. You're not going to want to, you know, have some sort of groundbreaking, you know, make Mitch Rapp the president, you know, or, you know, kill off a major <laughs> character, you know, like you know, some kind of bullshit like that. So you want to have a, a fun, entertaining, engaging not summer read like that's what these things are you know sell sell a lot of books have people enjoy it have people read it be true to the mid-trap story and this is what you're going to do i and i like the angst that mitch has being this uh this matthew uh character what was his name what's his canadian yeah, matthew name? fournier fournier yeah, yeah 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 it's a different cover than he's ever really had to have it but it it, remi- it harkens back to his cover in Lethal Agent, which another one of my favorite novels. Mm. Um, n- not a, I guess it's not a cover per se, but like that. Remember when he has to go be the bodyguard for like uh, like essentially uh, Miley Cyrus slash Justin Bieber? You know, yeah, now that's like, a side quest. That that little chapter yeah, yeah, is definitely th- a side quest. Definitely, but then then that engages him to Mexico well, or to when he goes to Esparza in Mexico. He's not quote undercover. He has to convince them that he had nothing left to live for, that the American right. government turned on him because he got in with the drug dealers. And he's literally just doing this because he needs money and he has skills. And so he has to actually convince them he's himself, but he's no longer but no the longer same self attached. He was. Yeah. yeah. We, I, I don't know. Is that an alias or is that a, just a ruse? That's just deception. You know? So again, you're, you're going to, you, sh- you, sh- you didn't bring this up yet. Like the fact that, he can just walk into a when people know he's the angel of death in Afghanistan. Can he walk into Syria and not people not know who he is? Oh, I was sold. I was sold the way Claudia was talking about his suit and his hair. Oh, and his okay. Shoes, that he was a different he's man. Got, he's got enough of the, enough of the disguise to cover himself up. Oh, absolutely. I think he said it took him like four days <laughs> to work on him or something like that. Okay. Hey, and that harkens back to my initial point, which was this idea of what is home to Mitch, you know, is that physical transformation with a bunch of manicurists? Is that a symbol of, of rap leaving the, the grit and the dirt and the sweat of being on the field in Afghanistan? I mean, I, I just thought that reflection was so cool. Let me actually read this. This was okay. And here's a little quibble. I am not trying to armchair quarterback here or armchair author. <laughs> Actually, if we could be accused of anything on this pod, it's being armchair authors. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. However, however, I, I think this one might be valid. So listen to this quote. It happens in chapter four. So we've already established rap on the ground because chapter one opens with him and the team, including Scott, you know, going through uh, the desert. Well, actually, they're in the Hindu Kush, so it is a little rocky, rocky terrain. But 
Chapter four opens with, quote, a shrink would probably be concerned that rap associated the smell of Afghanistan with home. Dust, stone, and food cooked over open fire. The reason he'd been able to operate so successfully in the region was that to some extent he'd gone native. He'd never seen his time in country as a tour. He rarely felt a compulsion to go, quote, home. He didn't belong there anymore. He belonged in Virginia, in South Africa. It still surprised him how clear that had become. He had a place, and it was with Claudia and Anna. Bro, that could have been chapter one. Can you imagine the first line of this book when we go from the prologue, this side story in Salerno, which maybe we should talk about, to chapter one? You know, we always want in chapter one a cold open with rap. And if it said, a shrink would probably be concerned that rap associated the smell of Afghanistan with home. To me, that's an epic first line. Epic first line. Yeah. No, but but I did enjoy the the fake out like the whole like I was I was oh, confused. Oh, it was great. I, I was I was like, what's going on here? And Kyle's, you know, again, this writing is very good. The fact that as you're reading it, you yourself are supposed to be confused just as he's trying to confuse the, you know, the people that he's going after. Right. Yeah. To get these hostages. Yeah. No, like I, I was vibing the first couple chapters of this book, like, you know, and then cutting back between, you know, we have Salerno from the one angle. And then we get go back to Salerno from Damien Losa's angle with this chick that he's with, uh, sitting at the with their at some Michelin star restaurant, which I wish I was at. I don't know, like we need to get into the Damien Losa of it all, like what you how you feel of him as a character too. We we do. We have to talk the Damien Losa of it all, and that prologue. Can we stay in Afghanistan though? Because you're sure. you're not kidding. That fake out was epic. When the first scene of Mitch Rapp and the guys, they're randomly spraying bullets at basically an abandoned house. And he's like, hey, let me put a few into the animal trough over here for no reason. I'm like, what am I supposed to read into this? Do they just suck now? I was like, yeah, that's what I thought. I thought like they're all washed up. I was like, are they just shooting up a house not knowing if guys are inside? Like, I was like, are we going there? And here's the thing. We were kept dangling on that string. Until the chopper landed for the right. X-Fill. When the dudes got into the chopper and then as it takes off, they roll out the other side. I lost it. I was like, that is the cool. That is just super, super cool. And they were yelling loud enough for the villagers to hear them. You know, that, oh, we didn't find the insurgents. They're not here. Let's go, guys. <laughs> didn't find anything here. It was fun. We dude. should leave. It was downright fun. Uh, you know, like I said, like just the confusion of the writing led to me being as a reader, being confused, like what the hell is going on? And then it clicks and you're like, all right, Mitch has got this. It draws you in. And then he sneaks up on him, right? He he's, he's dressed. He's gone. He's gone native. You know, he he can, that's always been his advantage, right? That he can, he can blend in, in these areas. We hearken back to the very first novel, American assassin. When they talk about not the first novel, but the first time we meet, Mitch chronologically, you know, he's supposed to be this guy who the reason that he's tapped is because he can blend in so well. It's like transfer of power, Mitch, right when we yeah. meet him. Yeah, exactly. The old beggar. Yeah, the old beggar on the streets. The of old, oh, yeah, exactly. exactly. That's another nod, another one of these subtle nods to Vince and early rap. It's incredible. And then how that scene culminates. I mean, that is almost equally as enthralling. 
And again, when he's approaching these Taliban guys, it's very, it's very deep. He's talking about, you're not the enemy anymore. That quote I read before, I don't want to kill you guys. My, my beef and America's beef is no longer with the Taliban because unfortunately our government made the decision. The people essentially made the decision that they're going to have to listen to the will of the Taliban. You know, they're not going to form an insurgency anymore against them. And that's what it is. And Rap's kind of accepting that chapter of his life, that chapter of American history, which is kind of hard for him. But he's doing that as he's also trying to free these hostages. So he's still completing right. the mission. Irene even says, I'm sorry I sent you into a trap, but we had to get we had to get him right. Like you ultimately came up with a plan to do it. But I don't know the agency. Oh, dude. And then this is really interesting. Irene is trying to sort through who she can trust still in the intelligence game. I, like, I That was cool. And that's something for Don to really pick up right. into. I wanted, I thought I wanted that, that novel, I thought that this novel was going to be about that. I wanted you know, now. Yeah. That makes complete sense. And I, I don't know. I didn't like the fact that kind of off book she was installed, reinstalled as the. That's my biggest yeah. pet peeve or biggest qualm with the first half is just this one liner with Irene back in charge of the CIA. I was yeah. like, really? Yeah. Because that was the whole thing was like she's she might not go back. You know, she's happy being Nicholas Ward's. You know, whatever. You know, like. But then just to go a 180 and pull it back, I guess yeah. Kyle felt like he had to do that, but I don't know. Where'd Big Nick go? Where's Big Nicky Dubs? Like, we love that guy in Enemy at the Gates. We loved him. I, I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but I think that Kyle just got tired of, you know, there's there's times, I, you know, we've analyzed enough books to realize when authors just aren't in love with a character they've written anymore, you know? Is it that or is it the circumstances? I feel like if we ever get the Kyle Mills biopic, which, Chris, mm. I, th I think you'd make a great Kyle Mills on screen here. So uh, <laughs> let's fan cast for the Kyle Mills biopic. <laughs> I just want to interview Kyle. I want to sit down and interview him and talk about the entire experience because I think, you know, not now, not now, like in the end, but like five years from now, I would love to sit down with Kyle you know, have like a, a dateline where, or, you know, like a, like a, where we talk about 60 minutes where we talk about what he felt taking over for a, a major popular author after his death. And then what he felt, why he felt he needed, you know, now was the time to leave. And then also all the, all the pressures of just writing and, you know, coming up with his ideas and having to change on the fly. Yeah. You know, I, I would love to get that in insider information. And I think you put your finger on it that the enemy at the gates, Nicholas Ward, Mike Nash, and all the craziness that ensued right after that, it could have been a turning point, an inflection point in his, I don't know, just his comfort, comfortability with, having authority over the the, the stories. I, I don't know. I just feel like the rewrites, that was when we first started hearing like about rewrites. And then with this one, right, we heard about the Wagner group and all that going on. He, he had to do some edits and in, in some other ones in between, I'm sure the editing process as well was very, very burdensome and overbearing. I really do wonder from a, 
from an outsider's view, like what what that did to him, you know, just psychologically as an author, as an mm -hmm. artist, right? As a creative, as a creative, like to have so much pressure of fandom, editors, publishing house, who, whoever, whatever voice is, is in the arena, not just talking to you, but like it must feel like screaming at you. You know, I'm not saying this happened, but just how that must feel. Like I imagine at school, like if I'm getting so much criticism from parents about something over a lesson, like it might not be a big deal, but it feels like you're just getting attacked from all sides, you know, sure, sure, and you sure, got to sure. diffuse it. I, I wonder, has he ever felt that way? Has it ever gotten that way? I don't know. Something, something with the enemy of the gates, uh, era, uh, rewriting books with January 6th and just, I, it, mm, it got messy. Wouldn't you say it, it got, it got dicey. Yeah. It's, it's a hard time to be a thriller, you know, political spy and, and not to go you either embrace it and go political and do your own stance or you if you want to be this toe the line kind of author that wants to be able to sell to everybody then it, then it's tough it's very tough and yeah. that's that that honestly is a sad thing that like that authors have to be walking on you know pins and needles essentially to to not piss off 50 percent of their audience you know in either direction, you know, in either direction, you know, not, not to say of anything. It's just, it's, it's very strange. It's very strange. I don't know. Well, it won't be revealed until 15 years from now when you're on 60 minutes with Kyle, or we see his biopic in, you know, yeah. 4d, whatever super IMAX is by then. So, you know, it's, it's, I would not even Kyle. I would love to just talk to Jack Carr, Brad Thor. Like, you know, you, you, know sh you should start a podcast where you're able to do that. It would have to be off mic though. It would have to be like you know uh, something yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the hit the the X Files the the hidden tapes where they could. T I would just love to you know be a fly on the wall during the editorial process to see like how much Emily Bessler actually writes these books, you know, or or you know how much sway various factors have in choosing these things. You know, it's it, to yeah. me, it's like the author writes it and then that's that's what happens you know but i i know that's not what happens you know what's cool this whole conversation came out of a banger of dialogue that kyle wrote between rap and some taliban dudes around a bonfire in the hindu kush like all of that and him talking about like what america is and who the enemy is <laughs> getting out of the game where is home what's my priorities we just went on that tangent all because of that campfire scene in Afghanistan, like which was literally like six lines of dialogue back and forth. <laughs> yeah. See, that's what Kyle, that's what Kyle does to us. You want a little behind the scenes, right? Well, guess who's operating behind the scenes while rap is talking to the Taliban guys, Scott motherfucking Coleman, baby. He is rescuing the hostages. How badass was that? Of him sneaking up on that guard, killing him, or well, no, no, he's very hesitant. He doesn't want to kill him. Doesn't want to kill him. So instead, he just, you know, smashes his head with a rock. Although, there's a great line there. It says, Coleman was more ambivalent, but he still had no desire to kill this kid. Unfortunately, his non-lethal toolkit was nearly non-existent. That's some great alliteration. His non-lethal toolkit was nearly non-existent. That just flows beautifully. Well, and and who was the guy that he called to do the, to defuse the bomb? Because he didn't Bro, say the name. He no, the are name. you serious? No, are, hold on. That we don't have evidence that that's got to be Marcus, bro. Don't play I with figured it, 
I figured it was because he said he was playing video games. Yeah. And then he calls him swollen dick. (laughs) (laughs) But Marcus doesn't defuse bombs. No, but Marcus could look up the schematics for the lock system. Okay. 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 Wait, he didn't use Marcus's name? In my mind, I was 100% dead set that that was Marcus. I I might be wrong. No, we got to find this. All right. Let's see what chapter we're talking. We're on chapter three. Is it that early? I, I I literally have to know if there's text evidence that proves that it's Marcus. Because if, if there's any gray gray room, if that's Marcus or not, I'm oh my god, I'm, I'm my mind is blown. I'm almost positive he doesn't he doesn't say his name. He doesn't use his name. All right, is that because the video game comment Kyle just knows is enough? It has to be. Has to be Marcus. I was about to say to you, another callback was that we get Marcus. Marcus Dumond, baby. All right, here we go. Third page, 34. He pulled out a sat phone and selected a number from the list of people he had on call that night. I'm in the fucking Hindu Kush staring at a bomb. Don't get your panties wadded up, man. I was just pausing my game. Oh, it's gotta be. Coleman could picture the man sitting in his basement, holding a game controller, surrounded by empty beer cans and Dorito bags. Okay, we're asking Kyle. Kyle, was that is swollen little dick Marcus? I need to know. <laughs> the puffy little prick was the best in the business, and not by a little. Dude, more alliteration. The puffy little prick. The swollen little dick had done it again. <laughs> this stuff, Kyle, you gotta stop it. You gotta stop it. This is just this is killing me. When I read that Coleman Mark uh Coleman Marcus scene. I was all over the place. <laughs> Did you pack your padlock, Shim? I'm. Like, yeah. Does Marcus give it back that much? Yeah, that's what I. That's what. Pardon that's me what for also, not packing my padlock, Shim. That's what also makes me feel like. Is he sassy like that in his latter days? I don't know. I feel like wouldn't he have just said Marcus if it was Marcus? Dude, this is a great debate. To Marcus or not to Marcus? That is the question. Kyle would have to have deliberately not used his name just to fuck with us. Damn it, Kyle. Damn it. I don't want that biopic anymore. I'm not watching a movie of you. <laughs> I'm not watching you on 60 Minutes with Chris. That'd be sick if I was the host of 60 Minutes. <laughs> Dude, can you please remind me when we interview Kyle to get an answer on this? If I forget, I'm literally going to kick myself. We have to. We oh. have to. That might be the number one question I want to ask him now. <laughs> All right. I think we've gone on longer than this than we do our rant about covers. Probably time to move on. Yeah, <laughs> probably, probably. All right. So do you want to talk a little bit about like the plot of this book? Like in, in terms of the Captagon, the, you know, the bus gone bad or the shipment gone bad in Italy, how Damien Losa is involved, like essentially yeah. why... You know, the premise of this entire novel is that Rap has to honor his favor from last, was that last book. Yeah, with Gustavo Marroquí when he yeah. calls him in to save uh, Oath of Loyalty to save Claudia or to find the guy who took out the hit on Claudia. On Claudia, yeah. So that's that's a quick calling of the favor, you know. Yeah. I mean, I guess like Kyle has to. It's his last book, so he's you know. I I feel like this. If Kyle was continuing. 
He could. It would have been later. It would have been later. Yeah, 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 for sure. Claudia even says, I, "I knew he'd call in his marker at some point, but I didn't think it'd be this soon." Right. And none of us thought things would be this soon. AKA yeah. Kyle. Kyle leaving us and George being kicked out. No, <laughs> delete that one. <laughs> we have no evidence of that, people. No evidence. We're yeah, speculating. we don't know that George was kicked out. We don't know and this is why out. we don't have a sponsor. I, I I hope that George wasn't kicked out. If I find if I find out that George wasn't kicked out, I may. If George was kicked out, I might stop covering these books. All I could say is on the Vince Flynn website, I, I appreciated the letter from George that said, I felt the time. It, the time is now to pass on the torch. And the fact mm-hmm. that he he wrote that gives me some comfort. Yeah. yeah. So, um, right, g- give me, he, give me your Gunn. thoughts about Damien Losa, Captain Gun, all that stuff. I actually want to separate the two because I really kind of like Damien Losa, yet I'm not sure I'm so bought into the early chapters about the drug trade. For example, I, I don't know. I thought the prologue was a little weak. From the prologue to the dinner scene with the woman were not my favorite part of the Captagon drug trade story. Yet Semyonov experimenting on the prisoners, I find really interesting. Like it has that twisted, effed up nature to it. I'm actually curious, right? Like could any element be – of this be going on in whatever drug trials or even like other countries that are trying to do actual medical research is, is sometimes this kind of stuff happening under the radar to get results, uh, even not just criminal empires, but how much are they in bed with real governments and, and organizations? So it's kind of creepy. So I, I liked the drug trade once we got to Syria because raps in Syria negotiating with people undercover an alias, which is, I, I found really cool. And then Semyonov were cutting back and forth to him experimenting on his prisoners and hearing how he's such a pompous jerk. I'm digging that stuff. The first few times we brought up Captagon, getting it explained to us, I don't know if it captured me early on. W- would you feel the same way? Yeah, it wasn't until we kind of got, I think it was chapter 16, that Semyonov kind of like laid out his entire plan. And I fully understood what, you know, the goal of this was because in the beginning, I was just like, all right, what, the, what is this drug? Is it it's just supposed to be more potent than fentanyl or, you know, it's, it's a cheaper version of that. Right. You know, is this the Middle Eastern version of the Purdue family? Like, you know, well, where are we going here? But then once I started to understand, all right, he, why does he have these prisoners? Okay. And then what, what, what are they doing with test wise? And then finally, they just literally lay it all out on the floor with the one scientist saying they, they cracked the withdrawal code and, yep. They, they've been able to force these people who are holdouts to now grovel at their feet to just get their daily dose. Yep. And then he breaks down, you know, like literally you get all the exposition in terms of what the drug will do six to 12 months from now once they've released it out to the world. It's like really like you get this like sense of fear and like, oh shit, like yes. this is what Mitch is going to have to stop, you know? Yeah. And that, that was great. I felt, I felt like, all right, now, now we have this world ending, you know, potential event that mitch has to deal with and i understand why we're going down this route with mitch but at the same time you know i I realize that like mitch doesn't always have to be in a story where it's end of the world so i again i find myself in this weird position of liking disliking not not disliking just like liking not loving loving not liking you know various portions that's it's it's strange I'm I'm with you completely, especially your point on 
I spent the first bunch of chapters thinking, all right, this is opioids and fentanyl, and then you give it a different name, you know? Uh, right. Big right. whoop. And I was like, okay, the European drug trade, kind of interesting, but I guess you're going with the refugee crisis and porous borders and how easy it is for Middle Eastern organizations to pump this stuff in and make a profit off it. Okay, sure, I get it. And then when Semenov reveals all that other stuff he's doing with the game plan to use it in America, his, his long game is to, to get it into the U.S., and we, we become zombies essentially, right? We become slaves. I feel like that's way worse than what's going on with fentanyl because right. you're going to get occasional users, but all of a sudden they're brain dead. It could cause a permanent psychosis and all different sorts of mental disorders, and they'll be begging at your feet for it even after just a few doses. Like, okay, so this is this is a step up, you know. This is steroids on steroids, you know, fentanyl right. on steroids. So I'm like, okay, now I'm buying into it, and that's his long game. Took me a while to get there, so I'm I'm just being honest. Like a buy-in score here, I think I'm bought into all the action scenes in terms of the writing. We all know Kyle can write a knockout action scene. Maybe that's what we should talk about next. Uh, a couple of these other action scenes we haven't got to, like the one everything's building towards in Syria. So all that I got bought in on. I just don't know how much I buy into the early chapters on. There's a drug. There's these pills. We're fighting over who can dominate the European market. And are the Arabs going to be able to do it? Or can a Mexican drug lord uh, corner the market? It's almost like, okay, who cares? But then once you bring in rap, once you bring in the Russians, and once we give a reason for him to go to Syria, I'm in. So up and downs. There's some up and downs here. Yeah, but I think like what saves the first part for me is these touch points we get with rap and Claudia and, you know, yes. raps, different conversations either in Afghanistan or in Syria. So like, that's why like there's parts of this where I'm like, I really, I'm loving it and I'm digging it. And then you have this like backdrop of things and I'm just, I'm not vibing with. So, you know, that's why it's a very mixed bag. The first half of this novel for me. So, yeah, but you're right. The fact that it's broken up by the barbecue scene, come on. It's Kyle's wheelhouse, man. When he's coming home from the Afghan op mm. and he's rolling up into Manassas, into the complex, checking all the cars. You know, he knows everybody who's going to be there. He's perturbed, right? That it turns into this big gathering. It, it's so quintessential. Mitch getting home from these ops has a lot on his mind. And he's got to not battle Claudia, but Claudia's like, go outside, talk to people, you know, start the grill up. Start the grill. Yeah. He's got to battle Anna, you know, hitting them. Ask in the people ribs. what they want to drink. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He calls her the Oopa Loopa. He's telling her to start the grill. She's like, I want to go bike riding. You said we go on the trails. He promises he'll get them bikes. He calls her a broken record. And she's like, what's a record? <laughs> but she calls him dad. Yes. Yes. That was a big thing. When she says dad and he like winces a little bit, she's yeah. like, he was not, he's not used to it. He's like every now and most of the time she calls me Mitch, but every now and then she calls me dad and it's yeah. just, it's not, doesn't feel right to him. I love those moments. You know, yes. like I'm, I'm, I hope that Don continues down this path and, and yes. uses those touch points because those are the kind of things that Kyle has brought into this novel, the series that I love. I agree. The Anna mitch relationship and a claudia mitch relationship is amazing and anyone who out there who says they don't like it you can stop listening to this podcast yeah. um yeah it sets it apart like it, it and it's got to stay it's got to stay yeah 
it's the difference maker. Uh, to me, there's not much in the Mitch Rapp universe at this point that sets it apart. Like, this is what I was trying to say before. The action's going to be great across the Thrillerverse. Crazy plots and geopolitical set pieces going to be awesome across the Thrillerverse. So many people, you know, are, are up in their game and doing it well. The difference maker in this series is what Kyle did with those characters you just named. The way he put them together and gives us little moments like that, the Oompa Loompa line, to me, makes this series and Mitrap right now very different. You know, when Vince Flynn was writing Mitrap, a whole bunch of other things made it stand out and made it different and, and differentiated it. Right now, those things are the differentiator. Even smaller scenes, Joe Maslick and, and Mitch cracking beers trying to fix the fence. Like, yeah, yeah, those little moments mean so damn much to me. And Especially when you know uh, yeah. their relationship as a fan who's read entire books and you understand Joe. What they've been through. What the two of them have been through. He didn't trust him. Yeah. It, it, exactly. Like Maz let him down. He failed <laughs> on a few ops. That's why, you know, lifetime readers or, or, or series long readers get the added benefit that, you know, someone who just picked up this novel would you know, that conversation is perfectly fine. It's in a secondary character. He's explained perfectly. He's funny. He's goofy. But understanding the deeper relationship between the two just adds that much more to it. And I feel like that's something that Kyle yep. has brought to this. So. I, I agree. I agree. And Kyle almost doubles down on doing all this. I feel like that barbecue scene was a, like a statement, you know. Sure. sure. This is what I, I've done and did for the series. And I salute you, Kyle. I stand by it. He even writes Claudia and Mitch's relationship. He's he's kind of given a nod to the haters. There's a lot of Claudia haters out there who who didn't buy Kyle's move to put them together. And and we've rehashed it a million times. Go back and read everything from Consent to Kill to The Last Man, and and you will realize what Kyle did in The Survivor is absolutely epic and on point to what Vince would have wanted. It, the clues are there, but he doubles down on it, and he and he writes this quote, which I 100% stand by, and I will be a keyboard warrior. You go into battle on the socials, <laughs> respectfully, respectfully against anyone, you know, who's not shipping, Claudia and Mitch. So here, here's what he wrote, quote, the fact that they both had so much baggage was part of the reason their relationship worked. They tended toward the same well-worn fatalism, and neither had any right to judge. When they were together... Their pasts felt like they canceled each other out and made the future a little clearer. Kyle, that line to me is so important for what you've done for readers, what you've done for the characters, what you've done for Vince's legacy with where he left us in The Last Man. It, it's so meaningful. It justifies his and Claudia's relationship. You know, like yes. him and Anna didn't work. And ultimately, that's why she got, you know, sorry to say it but ultimately that's why she got killed because he he knew he he could never have that life with her right. with a, with a normal human being he can with claudia could have been anyone else pick a character could have been anybody but the fact the reason why him and claudia make sense is because of that paragraph yep so yep. it's it, it's perfect it's perfect and it in it makes even better the epilogue of consent to kill it makes the epilogue even better, in my opinion. The fact you can read the epilogue to Consent to Kill now with the understanding of where Mitch and Claudia are in their lives 
and it's just and mind it just, blowing. It makes even more sense. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it just, it, it, but at this, it's paradoxical because it doesn't, it shouldn't make any sense. Yet the last 10, 15 years, whatever of Mitrap history gives it sense to something that is nonsensical is just a right. perfect paradox. Right. It's art. Again, we will say it. It is what makes most thriller summer beach reads just for fun into art, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and plus we got a Rory Nash name drop. Bang. Called that one. He's coming back, man. He's coming back. You think he's coming back? He's coming back. So. I, I'm Don likes you. to like, you know, hit up these younger characters. So maybe Rory Nash. Am I allowed to say this? We, we've already been doing a little armchair authoring armchair quarter, quarterbacking sure go ahead i gotta be honest if i want to see anything in the next five ten books of the mitch rap series it's rory nash's got to play a big role and you don't kill claudia do not anna riley claudia i'm i'm sorry like it could be an easy route out to do what consent to kill did and free up mitch and be like oh mitch is back in the game no no, that would be a cardinal sin to me. So that, I'm not trying to say anything, not making up anybody's minds. But in my opinion, if you try to just repeat consent to kill just so that you can make it easier to write a Mitch Rapp story without the baggage of his family, mm-hmm. you, you don't kill Claudia and Anna. You, you do. To me, that would be the cardinal sin of the next five to ten books. But again, who, what do I know? I'm, I'm just a schmo. But that's just my personal gut feeling. I got to see a Tommy Kennedy. I got to see a Tommy Kennedy Dude. and a Rory Nash involved. Dude. Or Rory Nash finds out that Mitch killed his dad. Like, or, you know, like not like had a. Dude, that you know, moment. Like, that's the next big moment. That that literally is going to be the next defining thing in the series. Whenever it comes, it could be years from now. That's the big one, though. Yeah. That's the big. And Kyle created that. See, Kyle made that possibility. He did. That's why. That's amazing. That's just. That's the long game. That's the long game. Yeah. When yeah. that day comes, is going to be absolutely epic. Shannon too. When Shannon gets the news, baby, what's his name? Charlie. Charlie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was kind of confused. They said that Charlie was sleeping on the counter. Like he's two years old. Two years old. Don't don't really sleep on the counter. Anna's still seven, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. No, I don't. Is there evidence of that? I'm not sure. I'm just, she's always seven. Anna will always she's be always, seven. Always seven. It's kind of funny at this point. I, I enjoy it. He said like the one thing happened like two months ago. And I was like, holy sh! Like ev- everything has happened to Mitch in the last like seven months. Like so quick. <laughs> well, yeah. What's his name? Terrence Adams still has three years. So ev- the everything we know with the cooks was all within his first year as president. One year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Anything else you want to talk about in this first half? No, dude. This was a lot of fun. I think we we have a lot of questions. We'll talk about the action. We'll talk about the action more with the with the scorecard. Yeah, we'll talk about the action. Do you think we should save for next time, or should we get out of the way this really incredible sneaking into Syria at the border and then the op negotiating with Suleiman? Yeah, no, we could talk. We can touch on that. I mean, that part of the story, like it's 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 jiving, like it's clicking. You know, you could definitely tell. Like I was burning through some chapters. You know, it's got me page turning. We're getting wrapped like in his element. You know, even if it's even if it's in a place we've never been before with rap, you can definitely tell he's comfortable. At the, but at the same time, he can't seem too comfortable because he 
is just supposed to be this lawyer from Canada. So it's it's funny. It's funny to see him operating in within these certain parameters uh, that he's been given, you know, with his cover. Yeah, absolutely. And that happens with a number of people, you know, with the driver who's taking him in, with the smugglers who are putting him over the wall and the fence. And then even when he's sitting down negotiating and dudes start pulling out guns and he hears firing, he's really got to be operating on different levels to know what he can and can't show and to whom so that they don't evaluate him and, and come to the wrong conclusions. And then the way it builds up with the Syrian troops coming in, but they're holding off because they don't want to intervene just yet. But then the Russian guy finds out about it and he goes, tell them to go in or I'm going to hang every last one of them is just building the tension. And then when the building actually crumbles and he puts Suleiman through the wall and he, and he falls down like what, three stories. Right. And then the security guys are coming up the stairs. Rap has to jump building to building. This is the scene that felt most bond, like that opening scene in Mexico city of, uh, right, was that right, Spectre? Right. I, I just, I had that feel here. Combine that with like a Beirut scene from American assassin. All the feels were coming at me from your bonds and your early raps. It was really cool. And eventually I'm like, Jason Bourne. Yeah. Right. I'm like, we could just have rap get out of this. We know he can escape. We know he can fight these guys off. Either one of those are options, but they blow his cover. So what is the op? Because if he gets out, they know he's not just a sure. lawyer, right? He, 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 hmm, he had skills. And he ultimately decides, I've seen things like this go down where they just open fire on the crowd. Like if the crowd is starting to get raucous, they're throwing rocks at soldiers. The Russians and the Syrians and the Syrian backed military with Russian equipment is not just going to sit back. This thing he knows is going to boil over. And so to kind of diffuse the situation so none of these protesters or rebels lose their lives, he goes, I'll turn myself in. Because once I do that, the Syrians and I get out of here, right? The army will just leave and things will cool down. But he's a fraction of a second late making that decision. So he sacrifices himself, gives himself up as Fournier to the Syrians. But as they're driving out, someone makes that shot. And once a Syrian soldier gets hit, they open fire on the crowd. They just start mowing them down. So was his sacrifice for naught? That's what I'm wondering now. It's sad in the end, you know, right where we left off. Yeah, that the whole crumbling building scene is very cool. Like in you know that even that side character we got with the museum director and how he's he you know ultimately he dies but he, Mitch feels bad for him because you know he he's not the one who he didn't choose this life he he was forced into it he he actually he he says like I meant that I was going to get Damien to give him a couple million dollars for his museum and yeah and, but now you know hopefully in the end you know we get in the epilogue that Damien gave this you know gave some money to this museum but um you know yeah. those are the little characters that you you buy into you you like because it's funny like there there's this one line i think i highlighted it where this guy is just going on talking like he's oh you know, it's going to be one euro or like whatever the equivalent <laughs> yeah. is and then within a second he starts rattling off like fluent drug cartel like language and mitch is like all right i'm dealing with someone completely different right now you know like yep. And the way Kyle writes that too is is very good. You know, Kyle's been doing every time he's hinted in this Latin American drug trade, he's 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 liked it. He's he's done done it very well. So I you know I yeah. like the character of Damian Losa, and I'm I'm intrigued to see where we go in the second half of this book. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the museum director 
That dude was awesome. He had no business fighting this war. He really was wanted to be an academic, teach people about his culture, his history, his town. And yet, like we saw in Deadfall, the innocent people just trying to make their lives get caught up in the throes of war and rebellion. And, and it's sad. And, and I'm glad that personal element is here. And I'm glad Mitch feels that personal element even when he's got a mission and a job to do. Right. That that felt so uh, deadfall in in Ukraine and all the different people we met in deadfall, from the cab driver to scaling the wall to the museum director, it felt really it felt deadfall in a really good way. The best parts of that book I felt were coming through. So hot take, so far, chapters one through seventeen, the first quarter of this book a little tough to get going, but the second quarter of the book, chapters what ten through seventeen. Absolute fire. Absolute mm. masterclass. And and that makes me curious for what happens in the second half. Yeah. It's it's not even like that. It, it just like was a little stop start, you know, like uh, like one chapter was fire and the next one was like, oh, what are we doing here? And then but then as soon as we get going, like Mitch on scene in Syria, like we're we're just we're cooking now. Absolutely. We're rolling. Um, Love it. Very, very intrigued to see where we go in the second half. Let's do it. All right. Well, so next time we come to you, we will be bringing you either our second half of the novel or our interview with Kyle. Again, we need to thank our patrons, our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt. Matt, who recently joined the the Patreon uh, group chat, group chat, Don, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review using Apple Podcasts. You can find us at thrillerpod.com or on Twitter and Insta at thrillerpodcast. And as always, just let Mitch be Mitch. Yo, that was a lot of fun. Even if it got dicey in the middle, it did for a good reason. I think so. Because you had, we had to kind of get into things that were a little sticky for there for a little bit. We, we had to, if not, had to just be. You can't not say it. Yeah, you, that's. I wouldn't have said it like when we first did this, like you know, year one of this podcast. But now we're we're pot committed, bro. It, well, yeah, it's also. I, I, we've gone through this a million times, and I feel like. I thought I was going to have to come on here and kind of call a spade a spade, you know, and the fact that I got to the parts of the book that were killing it and I absolutely loved it and then was able to think back and think of all these small moments, which actually Mm -hmm. had a bigger impact, even if the story wasn't connecting for me, you know, like you were saying, the flow wasn't there. Everything that was going on outside of a few little things like the Salerno op, everything that was going on otherwise hit on different levels callbacks kyleisms and and I, it made me appreciate it so much and i was appreciating that as i was getting to the kick-ass part of the story right no that's completely true and i think that's what helps sometimes when you think about these things as a whole as opposed to just in the moment you know yeah exactly exactly